0: Internet. This is Walter C.A.D. Spedcheck here with a very, very special edition of the Guest Alliance podcast. I am joined by Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar to discuss BlizzCon! It's here! It's finally here! And we have an actual tournament, a world championship for Heroes of the Storm. Chase, how are you doing on this fine
1: day? Well, first of all, I'm very excited to talk Heroes of the Storm because this is something you got me into just even a few weeks ago. It's not something I followed all that closely from beginning to end, but once I started watching, I really enjoyed just how accelerated the game pace is. When you play a game of Heroes of the Storm, it feels like you've played like three or four League of Legends games, but within like 20 minutes of time, just because of how much more quickly you move around, how much more quickly you level up, how many teamfights and everything there are. It's a fun game to watch, and it's a fun game to play, and I'm Really looking forward to talking about it. That said, we've got to come up with a better title than Guess the Lines, because we're not guessing any lines, unfortunately, because their lines aren't out yet when we're recording this. That
0: That is a very good point. So we're going to rewind that real quick. Welcome to the 2015 Heroes of the Storm BlizzCon preview show between myself and Chase. Yes.
1: Does that sound better? With okay. the name to be pending. We'll come up with the name, name after pending. this is recorded, and we'll have some... <laughs> Wait, you know what? We can just call it the Name Pending Podcast. I don't care. We'll the figure... Name... We'll figure something out, but uh, but we, it's going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to talking about this stuff.
0: So for those of you who don't know, Heroes of the Storm, uh, Storm is a MOBA, much like League of Legends, Smite, Dota 2, uh, brought to us by Blizzard. This will be their first uh, world championship and the second international event uh, that has ever happened in the tournament. The first iteration of uh, at BlizzCon last year was more of a show match between uh, Fnatic, Cloud9, uh, evil geniuses and one or th- other organization that i'm forgetting off the top of my head it was more of a fun show match between four organizations the first international tournament that happened was uh msi at uh at pax uh that had uh chinese teams it had european teams it had north american teams and this is now the actual world championships sponsored by blizzard at blizzcon containing teams from china korea north america europe and taiwan Uh, To get us started, we will start with Group A. The very first game of that group will be Cloud9, the number one seed out of North America, versus Logi GIA, the team out of Taiwan. And Chase, you're the one who, uh, I've paid attention a lot more to North American and European uh, Heroes of the Storm. What can you tell me about this Taiwanese team and, and how they might fare here at the World Championship?
1: I don't have a lot of faith in GIA. It's not that I want to hate this team. I really, I'm always happy when a Taiwanese team or something, you know, any of these smaller regions compared to what we think of as major regions can come forward. That's why I loved the TPA season two run in League of Legends. But this team was just very, I guess, inconsistent is the best way to put it. They're rated 27th on the Gosu Gamers ELO rating right now. They had four different group stages to determine the seeding for the bracket stage in Taiwan. Overall record in those series, 15 and 16. They lost more games than they won. And they were consistently the third place team in these group stages. These are losing games to teams like Shadow Cheetah and Revolution. And then the bracket stage happens, and they make the miracle run. This is the same format that we see in Korean playoffs where it got popularized. It was in the North American and European regionals in League of Legends. It's this whole King of the Hill matchup where fourth place plays third, then plays second, then plays first, and that's the winner of the region. And they breeze their way through all of it because the patch happened to line up with where they were. But all of this gives them a 100% win rate in October, and a 53% win rate overall as a team. That is concerning to me, especially when so much of their power seems to be based around two picks. The Anub Orak, which blew away their warrior, plays almost exclusively 10 and 7 in those games. He's played a whole... 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 games on other champions. That's a, that's a problem. I would say that is a concerning lack of depth in the champion pool. And also the Jaina, which both God Dog and Alpha play rather well. It just puts them in a position where you ban the Anubarak, you take the uh, the Jaina and just say, uh, come at me. What are you going to do? And I don't know if they have another answer on this composition. Anubarak, uh, probably one of the primary warriors for this composition,
0: Uh, doesn't tend to see a lot in terms of being a a primary uh, hero for many other uh, teams in Mm -hmm. the uh, in the west in particular or cloud nine he's usually used as a secondary warrior after they take away uh johanna and, and muradin and leoric they usually will combo anubarak with a second uh a second player so i don't know if we'll see too many anubarak bands in this series in particular uh, cloud nine on the other hand is the number one team in north america but you don't and, and arguably the number one team in the world, but you don't know how much that weighs in here. What are what are your thoughts on Cloud Nine in particular as they as they come into this series against uh, the Taiwanese team?
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, I, I'm just on the Anubarak point really quick. It is more played in the east, and this team plays it so much that Cloud Nine. Even if you did it as a second ban, I think they'd be very happy with it because Blue Way just has not been efficient on literally anything else. Just gives them such an advantage in the Warrior matchup. That's the only reason I suggested. I wouldn't ban a new Barak against any other team. The thing about Cloud9, and I was looking at the ELO rate, they are the number one ranked team in the world right now. And they got it because they were beating Tempo Storm in the finals and then later in the HTC Heroes Brawl, which has given them a 100% October win rate to go along with a very good win rate in September, which is where they got the first place in the Americas qualifier. My problem with this is that all of these games that we're pointing to are based around the idea that America is such a powerful region that taking out the team that had previously been a power is this huge accomplishment. As I was looking more and more, it seems like it's less that America has so many incredible heroes of the Storm teams and more that it looks top-heavy. The best teams in America are good. I think Cloud9 is the best team from that region. I love what DunkTrain is able to do, especially when he gets a hold of that Uther pick. I really enjoyed watching Caffeine do his thing. I thought Fan had some great games, especially in that finals. But is Tempo Storm so much better than the kind of teams that say DK is playing in Korea or that Estar, Star, which unfortunately is not going to be able to attend this tournament, is playing in China, or when they play each other in those Nexus Cups, which are actually some of the first international tournaments we saw just having China and Korea go head-to-head, which has made both regions better in my opinion, it's just really hard for me to imagine that this team is as good as the numbers indicate. It's definitely something that when we get the gambling lines, I'm going to be looking for value. Now, luckily, they're playing GIA in the first round, so I don't think it makes a difference. I think GIA is the weakest team at this tournament, with one potential exception that we'll get to later. But this is a team that, when it gets to the winner's game, I wouldn't be surprised if Cloud9 struggles a little bit more in that matchup than people think they would just from their ranking and how they've done in recent matches.
0: Fair enough. Cloud9 has actually not lost a series uh, since the uh, group stages of the American Championship. That loss was to Tempo Storm. Since then, they're undefeated in... In uh, competitive play, uh, having beaten uh, Murloc Geniuses, Cognitive Gaming, and Tempo Storm to get the number one seed out of North America. And then, uh, as you said, the HTC Heroes Brawl, undef- uh, only losing uh, three games over the course of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, Cloud9 is a very strong team. And while North America, people look at North America as the strongest region, but many will argue that Europe stands. Uh, stands to be much better. In fact, Liquid was actually at the top of that Heroes of the Storm rankings that you're getting from Gosu Gamers. They're now fifth, Mm -hmm. uh, just because the rest of the European region kind of caught up to them and was able to exploit some things. Cloud9 as a team uh, does have some problems in terms of their, their... uh, mentality in high pressure situations uh, they have fallen flat before against tempo storm and it seems that once temp once they beat tempo storm then there's this this period of time where cloud nine will always beat tempo storm and then the second tempo storm beats cloud nine there's this period of time where tempo storm will always beat cloud nine mm-hmm. so there it North America is very swingy in this type of way in the, the top two teams. Mm-hmm. That being said, Cloud9 should absolutely be uh, be favored over the Taiwanese team. And in my opinion, should probably be the favorites for the entire tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless, uh, until they meet uh, Team DK out of Korea, they're, they're probably the other team to look out for uh, over the course of the series. The second match... In Group uh, A will be Team Dignitas, the European team, against Team YL. Dignitas has not been around for very long. Chase, what do you think that their acquisition by by Team Dignitas, formerly uh, they're formerly known as Bob? What do you think that that acquisition has allowed this team to accomplish?
1: Well, it's definitely put them with the infrastructure that you would want for a young team like this. The thing about Bob Question Marks, now known as Team Dignitas, that you really need to keep in consideration, is that all these guys had played on other teams. You know, this isn't just a whole bunch of guys who had never played before springing out of the depths in july and suddenly taking the world by storm these were guys that had struggled on lesser known teams that hadn't really been able to make their way in any of these invitationals coming together because they liked the way that it that they all worked as a group and really showing that they have a lot to offer bakery is one of the best kerosene players if not the best kerosene player in the world and watching him on that champion is really a revelation he and the team have taken a whole nother step forward since that champion was, uh, was released. I keep saying champion. I mean to say hero. You're going to have to forgive me. League of Legends, all that stuff. Uh, Tyrael is a huge pick for a Thero Angel, which is huge because it's such a huge pick in the East. Tyrael is really well regarded in the East for his engage potential, for his ability to kind of pick and start those fights. So the fact that a Thero Angel can play it and play it very well, a 22-8 and eight record on that hero, is very impressive to me. I'm less convinced by Snitch and ADRD, who I felt were caught out pretty consistently in their series against Na'Vi, which is why they're the second-place European team and not the first-place European team. But at the same time, for a team that's as young as they have, this 80% win rate that they had when they were Bob question mark, peaking at 13-3 in September, combined with this incredible performance, uh, you know, 4-2 getting the second place in, in the European qualifier i'm more inclined to believe that these guys are the real deal than i am that they're a young team that's going to fade as soon as you know the pressure heats up
0: the very interesting thing about the two heroes that you've mentioned uh, teriel and, and karazim is that they actually go quite well together mm-hmm. looking back at the uh, european regionals uh, question mark then it's team dignitas uh actually now is team dignitas so that's how i refer to them uh dignitas would actually use that combination quite a bit because of the divine palm and sanctification or judgment ability on ontario now divine palm is one of karazin's heroics which allows car it protects an allied hero from death and uh if they die within three seconds of the ability being activated instead they're healed for uh an a- You know, an incredible amount of health, and that can be very helpful when you're pairing it with this Tyrael, Mm -hmm. uh, which Tyrael has two different heroics that you can potentially go to. Most of the time it'd be paired with Judgment, which is essentially a leap ability that allows him to jump to a target and stun them and deal a bunch of damage and knock away their allies, but it's also helpful when he tries to channel Sanctification. And Sanctification uh, makes all nearby allied heroes invulnerable and unstoppable, meaning that they're immune to any forms of CC, and that they cannot be killed for a a three-second period. Now, that that ability doesn't affect Tyrael, so when you pair the Divine Palm with the Sanctification, it allows this to go off. And uh, just recently, a few patches ago, uh, after you cast Sanctification... Uh, it used to be that you were you were stuck where you were you were stuck in a certain position, so you could not move. Now, once you cast Sanctification, Terriel can still move around and be an able-bodied uh, fighter in in a fight. When you're looking at their competition, ah, mm-hmm. uh, the Chinese team team YL, how did they get to BlizzCon, and are they? A favorite to get out of this group, or are we really looking at a two-horse race between Dignitas and Cloud9?
1: Well, it's time to play my favorite game show of this whole thing. Why is China getting two teams at this tournament? It is a magical game show <laughs> in which I like to bring up the fact that there were no formal games in China after August 16th. And, and I bring this up, you know, yes, there were things like the Nexus Cup But there were very few teams that participated in it, because once the August 16th date was done and the qualifiers had come in, there wasn't any reason for any of these other Chinese teams to compete. There was nothing left to play for. So we're looking at teams like Team YL that played no games in September, no formal games in September. And in October, they've played four preparation for BlizzCon games, as they're calling it in some of these Eastern scrimmages, including a 1-4 loss to MVP Sky, which if you follow Korea at all, you would understand that that is a very damning loss, I think is the way to put it. They're the 73rd team, if you look at ELO. They're a team that does not have a 50% win rate. They are as kind of a sister team to MVP Black in every sense of the word. And they lost 1-4. They are 0-4 in October. They have not won anything since that double elimination bracket stage. Where they were able to beat out teams like All Gamers, Edward Gaming, and Braveheart before following the E Star twice. Can they surprise some people? Well, you kind of have to look at where the meta is right now. Jaina is much more of a priority pick than Avala, which is something that Dude felt very comfortable with back in the day. His Jaina is 10 and 15. I don't feel very confident with it. Uh, you look at, you know, Liang, the Sylvanas is. Fine. There are probably other things that I would rather have at this particular moment. Uh, Spi right now has the most games played on Illidan. I don't see a lot of that coming in this tournament, unless your name is Noblesse, in which you just kind of do whatever you want. It just the things that really helped them was that the Meadow was really in their favor. It was another team that prided itself on you know an Onubarok, you know Illidan, all these kinds of engage tools, get the Uther for the heel, and and you just built around this. And that doesn't work anymore. And we know it doesn't work because they haven't won anything since these newest patches. I I think this is a two-horse race. I think Dignitas versus Cloud9 is going to be fascinating. I think that's going to be a very close series. I don't think either of the series leading into that are going to be particularly close. I think Dignitas has this series pretty handily.
0: I will say notably that the that the eastern meta is definitely different mm-hmm. than how uh, and especially the Koreans uh, is definitely different than how North America plays. They have a lot of uh, interesting picks that you don't typically see out of uh, out of North America or European teams. One of those picks would be Sergeant Hammer, mm-hmm. uh, particularly on Battlefield of Eternity and uh, Infernal Shrines, the two Diablo-inspired maps. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's very strong at. Controlling the objectives on those maps and and attacking either the uh, minions that are spawned from the shrines on Infernal Shrines or attacking the Immortals on Battlefield of Eternity. Dignitas is, however, one of the Western teams that do play that champion, so it'll be interesting to see how that interaction uh, occurs in Group A between them and the Chinese team. Which, if I'm looking at it correctly, uh, Team YL has actually played Sergeant Hammer a few times uh, as well, and that would be on uh, on Liang, their uh, their flex player. Moving on to Group B, and Group B is probably the more, uh, this is the group of death out of the two, I'd say. I'd say three of these teams are probably very uh, strong cases of getting out of groups. The first one being, the the first match of that day being Tempo Storm versus Team DK. Team DK coming out of Korea, the number one seed from there, and Probably a surprise to get over Korea, wouldn't you say, Chase?
1: Uh, they definitely weren't the pick that most people were expecting to come out of Korea. MVP Black is widely regarded by you know non, non-Western audiences, I guess, as the best team in the world. Uh, they've had some incredible performances in both international and just Korean play. And this Korean qualifier, which took place over two months was a very grueling bracket. Weekly group stage games, double elimination when it got to that point. Uh, This DK team really had to fight, but one of the things that they did better than just about anyone else in this tournament was they adjusted to the meta. They were one of the ones that adjusted and got the Sergeant Hammer, which was huge in their series against MVP Black. They were the ones that really made the Tyrael work so well, got the Arthas to get going for them, You know, really prioritize the Sylvanas, especially on the red side. That's something that an Eastern team usually handles very well, especially in Korea. China, I haven't been as impressed by the Sylvanas, but I'm very impressed on it when I see it in Korea, just in what they've been able to do uh, in using her. This team just has so many bright spots where the meta is right now. They have a five-game winning streak, perfect record in October right now. win rate overall, and that 4-2 victory against MVP Black, it wasn't this kind of fluky win that people who weren't watching might expect it to be. You know, usually when we see upsets, it's because the other team didn't play as well or there were some bad picks and bans, and certainly MVP Black's picks and bans could have been better, but this was a Team DK that felt very in control, especially in the late game. They're They're one of the best teams I've seen in knowing when to pick a fight, where Cloud9 rules in the chaos of fights and takes advantage of these bloodbaths of games oftentimes, DK is a team that is very Korean in the sense that they pick their moments. And even they're willing to let a level or two go away in the opposite direction if they have to, if it means that they wait until just the right moment to pick the fight that they know is going to turn the game in their favor. And I think they're better at that than any other team in this tournament. That's why they're my favorites going into it over Cloud9 though I will say that Cloud9 has a very good case to be the second best team, depending on what you think about Europe. It's it's very interesting, given how much I paid
0: attention to Heroes of the Storm over the past six months, and that Tempo Storm isn't one of the top two uh, teams to consider favorites for this tournament. Uh, it's, it's kind of funny that Tempo Storm, now they're in the downswing in terms of North America, and, and that once they lost to Cloud9 at the regionals, they haven't done very well uh in any tournament that's gone on especially the HTC tournament uh in which they were knocked into the losers bracket
1: by if I remember correctly if I remember correctly it was complexity that knocked him in and then team blaze knocked him out of the tournament entirely which by the way uh if you're tempo storm you should not be losing to team blaze that's that is a 2-0 loss to team blaze is an unacceptable loss and this is the problem that I have with Tempo Storm. I would love to believe in Tempo Storm, if only because I think Raynad has enough salt in his day-to-day life. He doesn't <laughs> need more reasons to be upset with how a team is going in his world. They've got an 81% win rate overall, but it's been going downhill since then. Uh, 63% win rate in September, the lowest in team history by a significant margin. And it's now obviously 50% right now uh, when you take in this HTC Brawl and how that went. And one of the biggest problems, and, you know, people who are coming to this podcast after hearing all the stuff we've done about League of Legends, you're going to remember this name. Hi, Zuna. How you doing, buddy? I've missed hearing people talk about how you die all the time. Really, when Artosis was saying, and I quote, Zuna just keeps dying all the time, it just it, it made my heart warm. It really felt like I was going right back to those early Season 4 memories. I felt right at home watching Heroes of the Storm. It's a problem. I mean, he's, he's fine on his, you know, his Jaina is 20-3 and three right now. His Zeratul is 22-4. and four, But I don't think Zeratul, after some of the nerfs we saw on the Lieutenant Morales patch, is going to be all that big of a thing. As a flex, I, we're not necessarily going to see him doing a lot of Jaina. And when we saw him on the Leoric, when we saw him on the Butcher, when we saw him on the Tyrael, it's been unconvincing, especially against really solid teams. I think that Zuna is the kind of, you know, guy when you look at this team, he and Arthelon, to a lesser extent, are guys that teams that are as smart as DK are going to happily pick on. It's something that Cloud9 picked up on in their wins in games 1, 2, and 5 in that series. Uh, it's something that is certainly exploitable, especially on certain maps. I think any map that has vision as a huge priority, that's something that Tempo Storm hasn't really done the best job of controlling. It's going to be very interesting to see what's going on. And that's before we get into all the rumors and everything surrounding some potential discontent within the organization. This is a team that might be doomed to disaster. And depending on where the line is when this opens up, this might be the best value you find with all these Western audiences that just remember Tempo Storm being these gods that they just haven't looked like recently.
0: Uh, Zeratul is currently at a 31% contest rate on the Lieutenant Morales patch. Only a 31% coming from, you know, just a couple months ago when he was 100%. You either pick him or you you either ban him or you pick him uh, Mm -hmm. on the first side. That will move us to our second match out of Group B, which is going to be uh, Na'Vi, the the famous Dota and European Counter-Strike organization, uh, and their Heroes of the Storm team, taking on Braveheart.
1: And Braveheart is not supposed to be here, are they, Chase? Welcome to the second part of our favorite game show. Why does (laughs) China have two spots? I, I understand China's got a big population and people are tired. You already have, you know, StarCraft, which is basically all Koreans at this point. So I get saying, oh, look, we already, we have that, we need to... Uh, you know, adjust to these other audiences, make them feel like they belong. But as soon as we got the news that E-Star Gaming, the top seed from China, was not going to be able to attend, this was the perfect time. You had a reason to say, I'm sorry, guys, Visa issues didn't work out. MVP Black, we're going to invite you in. Korea, you did an amazing job. You won these Nexus Cups. You've been winning all these tournaments between these two regions. You are clearly the best team left. Come on over. And instead... They let Braveheart come over, who is 23rd ranked in the uh, in the world Elo ranking compared to MVP Black second. But not only that, Braveheart couldn't field a full team, so Blizzard broke their own rules about roster navigation and let two players from Edward Gaming come in at the last second. Oh, and by the way, like YL, these guys haven't played since August. Except they didn't even have the four games in October that YL has to have a little bit of the kinks out of their system. There's been nothing. And now they're throwing in two guys from a completely different team that have completely different champion pools from the guys that they're replacing, and everything's supposed to be fine. I am stunned, honestly, that we're going to have to watch this. It's it's going to be ugly. I think there's there's a 0% success rate on teams that haven't played in two months because they thought their season was over, so they haven't been practicing in the same way, for us to combine with another team who also haven't practiced, neither of which won more than 60% of their games at their peak? No, that that's not happening. This is going to be rough. This is going to be very, very rough. Bow, anything outside of Zaratul has not been good. 4-8 and eight on the Jaina, that's not looking great right now. Barak, again, another Eastern team that prioritized that champ. It's not something that the West usually prioritizes so much, but it's something they might have to consider because anything outside of that, his Johan is not great, his Tyrael is particularly weak. Uh, Gemini on the Malfurion, 10-2. and two. Anything else? I mean, again, 5-4 and four on Zeratul. He's played a little bit of a new Barak. It's It gets rough. It gets rough so quickly as soon as you delve into anything with this team. And it's really hard to imagine them not just bowing out with the two, uh, the zero 2 here. So that being said, and and we get to the last
0: team that is now here at BlizzCon, Navi. What could Braveheart do to potentially upset Navi, or you know, what has what Navi got to do to make sure that they do get into that winners' finals with a with a chance to move on into the tournament?
1: Well, first of all, uh, let's let's give Navi some props for where they are right now. They had a perfect European qualifier. They did not drop a single map, which is insane. There's not a single other team that's at this tournament that can say anything close to that. They had a 4-0 and in October thanks to that, 12-5 and in August. September was so great, but it was one team that had really figured out their number. That team obviously is not here. And I'm more inclined, just because they only played four games in that September split, to say that they were really preparing for this European qualifier and just the way that they came through. It was such a decisive plan in and out. Uh, Schwimpy's Tyrande is incredible and his Abathur has really improved leaps and bounds. It was not a particularly strong pick for him before. Uh, it was great in game three against... Uh, it was great in game three against Dignitas. I am very happy with just how this team has grown. I think that Eternal has been a great carry. I think both his Jaina and his Vala are both at the level you need them to be. Uh, J- uh, PL has really adjusted well to some of these you know, new meta picks. He can play uh, he can play the Sylvanas, he can play the Kael'thas, he can keep up with some of those uh, eastern teams and some of the things they're doing. Splendor is an incredible Uther player. Alex the Pro-G had an incredible series in his own right with his Leoric really standing out. It's just a lot of strong things, and if if you're going to attack anything, I guess your your plan is to remove the Uther in some way. Probably pick it because you really don't want that for Splendor. You probably ban the Tyrande, because Schwimpy is so much better on that champ. Twenty nine and five. You just can't let that through. It's not something that that we see Braveheart play in any real meaningful way. So that's something they just ban out, just don't let them do that. And you... I i don't know. You hope that Chinese chaotic team fighting that we've seen in some of the other MOBAs in which China's really good translates well to this. I i don't have a lot of faith in Braveheart. I think this is going to be a 2-0 in Na'Vi's favor. And by the way, I am of the opinion that Na'Vi is the second best team in this tournament. I, it's a little bit uh, Interesting. anti-heretical... Um, But after having watched a whole bunch of games, I stayed up till like 3 a.m. last night, having watched a whole bunch of games from Cloud9 and Na'Vi, I feel that Na'Vi right now is playing so methodically, not just in pick bands, which they've been brilliant in uh, across the board and countering what the opponent wants to do, but also just in terms of playing the map, they're constantly on top of every objective that's available. They don't give an inch Cloud9, it's much more of a give and take. And when Cloud9 takes, they tend to take more than they give. But they do give up that ground sometimes. They're very willing to lose a fight here if it means winning a bigger fight later. But the problem is Na'Vi doesn't give ground. I don't think Na'Vi is the type of team that if, if, if they have to play from behind, that's something we haven't really seen them do recently. I think that they're capable of it. And the bigger question is, What happens if Cloud9 is forced to make fights on a Na'Vi team that's been so good at forcing teams into that situation? It just adds this extra level of desperation that I think could give Na'Vi a slight advantage in that matchup. I will say that I think those three teams, uh, Na'Vi, Cloud9, and Team DK, are head and shoulders above the rest right now. I think Dignitas is solid at fourth, and everyone else I don't have a lot of confidence in unless they prove me otherwise, which, I mean, hey, I would love for Team YL to prove me otherwise. I have very (laughs) little faith that Braveheart will prove me otherwise.
0: I I would probably agree with you there. I I think I am most, uh, I'm looking forward most, like you said, that Tempo Storm game. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is a chance that despite all the internal problems that they're having, the, uh, the kind of downswing that they've been in, there is a chance that this could be a very strong sleeper in this tournament. Mm -hmm. They have been considered the number one team in the world for a long period of time, even going back to last year's BlizzCon when they were known as Symbiote Gaming. And it was kind of a... uh, a slap to the face that they weren't invited into that tournament, but they weren't a large organization. They didn't have a lot of established, uh, establishment around them. They were kind of just five guys that were, you know, making their way and they just happened to be really, really good at the game. So I would not count them out, but I do need to see them perform at this stage before I'm willing to actually put any money on them. So the take a look out for that. I think Cloud9 is a little bit better than you're giving them credit for. Um, I think they can hang with with the the big boys of Korea and China. And this should be a very good tournament. You also have been paying attention to StarCraft, so if you'd like to take a few minutes here and maybe give us some sneak peeks at what potentially could happen in the StarCraft side of things, I would be uh, you know all ears.
1: Yeah, no, I absolutely love getting a chance to talk about StarCraft. I'm not... Uh... You know, I'm not a hardcore watch-every-game guy, but I do know value where I see it. The first place that there is value is the anti-Western Korean bet, or Westerner bet in general, I should say. They changed up the format from last year's World Championship. Last year, Europe, America, and Korea were all weighed the same. So it was a very legitimate strategy to go to Europe, to go to America, because it was easier to qualify for the tournament there. This year they said, okay, we're going to have two different Korean leagues at the same time. We're going to have one league for everyone else, because really that's where all the power is. So it means that instead of having nine or ten guys that aren't as good as the guys we've been watching in Korea all along, there are only three, and I encourage you all to bet against every one of them. There's a great three-team parlay right now, or three-player parlay, I should say. If you take life over Lilbo, which I would say almost 100%, Rain versus Polt, same kind of theory, and Dream versus Hydra, which the line is close just because Hydra, I do believe, is the best player in the West, but he didn't have a very good season three. He only finished uh, I believe, in the fifth through eighth place spot, so he didn't he didn't do as well recently as he could have. Meanwhile, I think Dream has, well he's stepped off a little bit. he still has that season two second place in, uh, in the SSL. That he can bank on. I think that that is a three-team teaser that could come through and you can get plus 167 on that. Given that two of those are give I think there's a lot of value there. The other one that I'm looking at, for some reason, Buell is actually an underdog against Classic. And I know that Classic plays his best in some of these big game scenarios. But ever since winning the SSL in season two, he actually hasn't done that well. Fifth through eighth in GSL this season, ninth through sixteenth in SSL. Meanwhile, you have Buell getting second place in both in, in GSL Season 2, GSL Season 3, and SSL Season 3. He has been on fire, and there's nothing about the classic matchups that we've seen him lose in, or win in the past that would make me say that he's a particular Zerg killer. He has actually been eliminated by Zerg in uh, each of the last two tournaments. So I think that Buell is a great bet at plus 115, I have faith in him to win it out, and you can even get a handicap if you're a little bit more worried about it than I am. Uh, It's going to be a good series. The best of five, if you think it's going to go to five maps, plus 165 is also pretty nice odds, but those are the ones that stood out to me as very obvious places that you could bet and get some value on. Uh, Otherwise, just get excited to watch hero do hero things, and to see if Maru or Innovation is going to step up as the best Terran, because that's been a very back and forth. It was Maru for so long, but... He 's kind of slid off recently, and i 'd love to see if innovation playing that very standard you know mech kind of Terran can take him out it 's going to be a lot of fun i
0: I would absolutely agree with you this is this is probably the one time of year that I get super excited about watching uh watching starcraft it's the one time where there's not much else going on, and I could really focus and pay attention to it, so i can 't wait to watch life win this again like he did last year because i'm a zerg player when i try to play starcraft and it's just very fun to watch zergs uh compete nowadays especially with a lot of the changes that are going through and getting ready for legacy of the void i can't wait to pay a little bit more attention to starcraft now that i have some some free time so i can't wait to watch it i can't wait to pay a little bit more attention to hearthstone and starcraft and obviously heroes of the storm chase do you have any last words before we head off here
1: Uh, I gotta say, it's going to be very interesting for both of us to see how good Cloud9, Navi, and Team DK look after these Wednesday games. I think we're going to know a lot more about how BlizzCon as a whole shapes up after that. Other than that, uh, just stay tuned to our Twitter. I'm at RedShirtKing. I will be tweeting out my favorite picks for the lines as soon as they go up. So probably Monday or Tuesday um, uh, is when they're expecting it to go up. I will tweet out the picks that I like and my recommendations on all these things based on where the value is. And you guys should definitely pay attention to that space. And I suppose there are some other spaces they should pay attention to too, huh? Yes, there are. And I'm, Double checking what the name of it is on there. Uh, but if you enjoyed the podcast and you want
0: to come back with us next week as we uh, preview the actual on-stage at BlizzCon games that happen in Heroes of the Storm, as well as touch on some of the StarCraft and here and Hearthstone odds as well, uh, you can catch us here on Unicorn. If you uh, if that's where you're getting us now, you can get your bets in right after you hear our recommendations. That way, you don't screw anything up. That way, you know exactly what you want to do. You can also listen to us on iTunes now. If you want to head over onto iTunes and look up the Esports Gambling Hour, give us a subs- uh, give us a subscribe subscription hard to say that word uh download and leave us a review let us know what you think about it and if you're one of those people that uh, instant gratification you just absolutely have to have it the second it's available you can head on over to soundcloud again looking up the esports gambling hour and uh that'll be up there as well uh and you can follow me at c80s underscore lol i'll probably be focusing more on uh on heroes of the storm but if i see anything that catches me uh, in particular you know little glint in starcraft or hearthstone you can bet that i'll be able to say something so uh, i think that's about where we're at thank you for listening to our very first heroes of the storm slash blizzard and blizzcon podcast and we'll see you next time goodbye internet